memoir, adulterated by post-war hindsight, could not have provided. Anya Zumber bears devastating witness to her time. Here is an insider's account of the germination of the French resistance in all its fascinating detail, and all the more rare for being written by a woman. But her journal goes further than this. Many fine, memorable, and enduring books have been written about war and human conflict by eyewitnesses and combatants, winners and losers, but most of them stay in the field of harrowing testimony, of personal history, of fascinating documented fact. Very few indeed move beyond this and into the realm of literature. A small handful of examples come to mind. T. E. Lawrence's Seven Pillars of Wisdom, Robert Graves's Goodbye to All That, Ernst Junger's Storm of Steel, and Keith Douglas's Alamein to Zemzem. Anya Zumber's resistance can now join that elite view. Chapter 1. The Fall of the Third Republic Palais de Chaillou, Paris, 7 June, 1940 Rumors are flying, all flatly contradictory, but it seems clear that the Germans are advancing on all fronts. It's only a matter of advance units of motorized troops, naturally, but however they try to explain it away in the newspapers and on the radio, I'm convinced that our position is extremely serious. Life at the museum has become positively sinister. Most of the collections have been evacuated. All that's left is the library. I have just been given instructions to pack up the most valuable volumes, a more or less mechanical task that takes my mind off the turmoil going on all around me. The entire population is leaving Paris. We are living in an atmosphere of panic. People seem to have lost all capacity for reasoned thought. Just now, on the Place de Trocadero, twenty or so people were simply standing there, craning their necks and staring up into the sky, where, so they said, they could see parachutists. Do they even know what a parachutist is, I wonder? My eyes are pretty sharp and all I could see were swallows. Palais de Chaillou, Paris, 8 June, 1940 This morning Georges Friedman came to see me at the museum. He found me packing the last books into the last case, though without much enthusiasm, as I am perfectly well aware that there is no longer the smallest chance of evacuating them. Friedman wouldn't tell me the current whereabouts of his regiment. It is not hard to deduce that there has been a major retreat. He is deeply distressed by the disintegration of the army and by the current barrage of orders and counter-orders. What can a humble lieutenant do when chaos and arbitrary inconsistency are the order of the day at every rank, from the highest to the lowest? He remains admirably calm and attempts to reassure me without masking the truth. He doesn't hide the fact that it's all going extremely badly, though he says the army is organizing a line of resistance along the Seine. He thinks this might hold the Germans up for a while, two or three weeks at most, and after that the invasion could be contained along the Loire. Despite everything, he has managed to keep his confidence, and I find that contagious. I forgot all about lunch. Now it's three o'clock, and I am sitting in my office doing nothing. Every now and again I pick up the telephone and listen to the news bulletins on the Information Parlay. The news is depressing, 
conflicting, faltering. The doors of the Palais de Chaillot are shut. The silence is deathly. There is nothing to do but wait. Paris, 10 June, 1940 I have catalogued Friedman's library. His books, manuscripts, and documents are in packing cases stacked in my cellar. I write to him to tell him that I have undertaken this little enterprise purely and simply as a precaution against bombing raids. Against bombing raids. Oh, but of course. To myself, however, I can admit the truth. I know full well why I have moved these precious books and these compromising documents to my house where no one will think of looking for them. It is as a precaution against enemy occupation. We have to get used to this appalling possibility. Paris may fall. It's one thing to think it, but it's quite another to say the words out loud.